0: So that's how we ended up at the farm was my dad almost died. (laughs) Yeah, but he's doing great now. Like he walks every day and he's still like uh, ornery. He's like, he's (laughs) an ornery, cute little guy that looks like Anthony Hopkins.
1: Hey, Eleanor's and welcome to episode 136 of the Commando Voice. Today, I speak with the founder of Happy Hollow Farms. Please welcome Kate Songhurst. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kamano Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. All right. I am back from uh, spring break. Uh, It's weird because our kids had spring break this year and uh, that's not weird. Kids get that every year. But uh, for me, it's weird because I don't think I can remember really doing a spring break like vacation before. Um, I'm sure we have, but um, I was homeschooled. So we didn't really have like spring break, quote unquote. Um, You know, spring break was whenever we took off, um, and did something. But sometimes that was, you know, not during spring break and it was all over the time. So, um, you know, having kids that actually have a spring break now, that's weird. And so, um, it was fun. Um, it was mostly fun. Um, we had, uh, uh, someone break into our car, uh, and that was not as fun. Uh, and it was on my birthday. So it was a happy birthday present to me. It was very sweet of them. Um, very thoughtful. Um, so, Just a reminder to everyone uh, that PSA, a PSA, uh, don't leave stuff in your car. Um, Thankfully, we didn't have too much stuff in the car, uh, and nothing of like great, great importance. So, anyways, uh, that was my week. So, how was your guys' week? Uh, Hope it went well. Um, Yeah. So, uh, getting into the episode, I am interviewing uh, Kate Songhurst today, uh, who is a firefighter. Um, as well as the founder of Happy Hollow Farms, so she's done been a firefighter for wow uh, a very long time. I forget how many years now. Um, and uh, but then in the midst of being a firefighter, um, also took over a family the family farm, I and mean, we get into how that kind of came about and all of that. Uh, And then eventually turned it into a wedding venue and event space. And so we get into all of that and more uh, how she did that, uh, what kind of drove her to do this. Um, And, uh, you know, she started doing all this stuff. And then, of course, COVID and all of that. And so she talks about how she adapted and changed things and uh, how she created a community gathering space uh, in the midst of COVID uh, so that people could still see each other and hang out. So uh, we get into all that more. Uh, So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kate Songhurst. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of Happy Hollow Farms. Welcome to the podcast, Kate Songhurst.
0: Hello. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining me. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Kate.
0: Um, Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And a little bit about me. I grew up in the Stanwood area. Um, I grew up Actually, on Lake Goodwin, which is a little south of here. And I had, um, well, I have parents that are still in the area. They actually live up in Utsalati, okay. so the north end of the island. Uh, my dad was a developer, and my mom was a teacher. But I've come from a long line of flower farmers. All, okay. Pretty much my grandmas on both sides of my families were pretty um, involved with their gardens. And um, so I kind of feel like it's been in my genes. Um, and then my dad's side of the family actually is one of the pioneer Families from this area. So the Ovanel farm, which okay. is in Stanwood, right as you are crossing the bridge to get onto Camino Island. Yeah, there's a little farm right there. Yeah, that is actually like my sixth, uh, r- like grandpa. Okay, like way down the line. Wow. But so yeah, farming is definitely in my family. Which yeah. Is, so my dad was actually in Ovanel. So, okay, but adopted, and and it was his um, his mom's maiden name. So okay. But yeah, so they, um, they actually came over from, I believe Ireland and, um, I think there was some Welsh in there and they settled in Burlington in like the very early 1800s. And then eventually one of the Ovenells ended up in Stanwood, which was like my sixth grandpa, great grandpa. Okay. (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. So we've been here for... a long time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's very cool. So,
0: yeah, I, um, so I grew up in Lake Goodwin. Um, my parents moved me to Stanwood as kind of a transplant in the end of my eighth grade year, which was kind of hard, gave yeah. me the, um, appreciation for, you know, being the new person and being vulnerable in that regard, like having to make friends later on. And, yeah. And that was good. Actually, it's given me a ton of empathy for just people in general. And, um, so I went to high school in Stanwood, um, the house that, well, the farm, Happy Hollow Farm is actually the house my parents moved me to when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. So we lived on Lake Goodwin for a long time, like through my childhood. And then my parents wanted more property. They like loved this house. They, it was my mom's dream house. Basically it was a farmhouse, beautiful view of the Cascade mountains, um, surrounded by all these farms and, you know, there was tons of cows and horses. My mom just wanted a big garden. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it came on the market and my parents were like, we're leaving like right now. And I was devastated. I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, was, no. I was like, no. And so I was 15 and I, my dad had been given through a commission, like a commission job. Somebody mm-hmm. gave him like a it was like a 15- or 13-foot Boston Whaler. Okay. And I don't know why, but I would go out there and tinker with it, and it was I, could, I was the only one that could get it started. So I would mess with, like, the spark plugs. I would mess with the throttle and the key, and I would fire that thing up. And at, like, 13 and 12 years old, my parents were at work. I was gone. So I was, like, doing hot laps around Lake Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I definitely had kind of a uh, – anybody who knows me from our childhood, I definitely had kind of a – uh, spirited heart. I didn't like necessarily being told what to do. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, anyway, so we moved to the farm and when I was 15 and I just, I like hated it. I loathed every minute of moving there. And, um, it's funny. I ended up back there. (laughs) So yeah, so it's actually my family's house, but okay. Yeah. So very
1: cool. So, um, so actually on that, then what was that um, I know this is a little bit jumping down the road, but I want to jump in here because we're there already. What was that like making that decision? Because I've always wondered what that's like to buy or basically be back in the house you grew up in.
0: You know what? It's funny you're asking me that question because I was on a morning run this morning and I was thinking about that exact question. Like, And I will say this, when you go back to your childhood home, so many people assume it's this dreamy experience. And it's actually, there's a lot of unpacking to do. Yeah, There's a lot of stuff that happens Mm -hmm. when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, and then you go to college. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, I don't know if everyone feels like this, but I was so done with Stanwood. Like (laughs) by the time I was a senior in high school, I was like, goodbye. I was done. And so, um, I ended up going to Central, where okay. my sister was at. But I wanted to go to the East Coast. I was like, I'm out of here. I, d- I want no part of this anymore. I'm done. I've, I've I'm mature at 18, and I was. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but yeah. you know what I mean. You think that at that age? You do, right? You really, <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm an adult, and I'm stamping my feet and driving mm-hmm. out the driveway. But um, no, it's there's a lot of unpacking to do, and so whenever I hear somebody say like, "Oh, this was my, you know, my family's property," I'm yeah. like. That's interesting because there's a lot of unpacking there. Yeah. So that has a lot to do with the farm. Okay. So the farm, um, the name Happy Hollow is, is. Uh, I may be jumping ahead of myself here, but I am not that creative with the name. The name is just the road. Yeah. So the road is Happy Hollow Road. Yeah. Um, and uh, as we'll get there down my little life journey, but... Um, I have been a firefighter for 20 years. So I fell into the fire service, uh, after, well, during college and, um, something about the fire service that some people don't know is when you have an incident, um, you name it after the, like, uh, the road or the geography, something that would identify it and make it specific. So for me, when I was thinking of a name, I was like, well, it has to be happy hollow farm because it's on happy hollow road. And that would identify where its location is based on firefighting. <laughs> I was not. Perfect. I, so people are like, that's such a cute name. I'm like, it's really, it's just the road. It <laughs> just has a cute name. But, um, so yeah, I, um, I ended up like taking off for central and, um, I went there cause my sister was there. It was like between WSU, Seattle U and there. Okay. And I went there to study art actually. Okay. And I just got there and I was, I got put in a couple classes, you know, sometimes it's like divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in these art classes that were like master degree levels because I was like late to register. Cause I was a classic freshman in college. And I was like, these people are amazing. I am horrible. What am I doing? Like, <laughs> what am I actually doing? And in the interim, there was a couple things that happened. Number one, my brother who we thought was Doing amazing, and like he's two years older than me. Okay. Um, we found out that he was really struggling with drug addiction. Okay. He had broken his wrist in football, like in 1998, and by 2001 he was like a complete mess, and we just didn't even mm. know. So he ended up uh, going to rehab, and he's like the probably five percent that ends up thriving and doing great. So. success story with opiate addiction. Wow. But yeah, so my brother ended up going to rehab and watching my parents really struggle with that was just like eye-opening and heartbreaking for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a fiance that I adored at the time, and uh, they ended up breaking up. But she was the one that kind of shed light on the situation, so I will be forever grateful for her. Yeah. Her name's Serena. Thank you, Serena. Um, And then I was in a sociology class spring quarter, and And we were learning about the wage gap, but I don't think they called it the wage gap. (laughs) They were just talking about, like, the disproportion in wages for women. And I was like, that is so wrong. Like, (laughs) how do we get around this? Because if I'm going to work my whole life, like, I want to get paid what everybody else, like, all the men are getting paid Mm because I'm not going to do the same amount of work. And so... I had a really good friend at the time whose dad was a Seattle fireman and he, and his dad and I were just buddies. Like I would, if I was at their house, I would a lot of times hang out with his dad because his dad was funny and engaging. And his dad, I think saw something in me that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. So I'd bring all my art supplies from college and be hanging out at their house. And his dad was always like, when are you going to do a ride along? You need to do a ride along. Like you would be a great firefighter, you're athletic, you can relate to people, you can chit chat you need those things to like mm-hmm. mitigate people's problems yeah. right because yeah. that's really all firefighters. yeah you don't want is. a stoic
1: firefighter <laughs> no. just like as the, everything's no. going wrong
0: no no you need someone who can like troubleshoot problem solve has a touch of add and like can really get the job done mm-hmm. and you need them athletic right so i ended <clears throat> up uh doing a ride along and it was just like the perfect fit for me yeah. it was like um yeah, it was, like, helping people. I got to see people in, like, their worst days. Like, my brother, who I was, like, this is devastating. Like, yeah. he just, you know, was, I don't know, a casualty to the late 90s. Like, oh, you're 17 and you are recovering from surgery. Let's give you as much OxyContin as possible. Like, it was so sad. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know. So. Right that situation with like understanding where we were at in society with like women not being paid the same as men and, and me starting to realize that the union union jobs that were by contract, that is how you get paid Mm. an equal pay. Okay. And I just, I loved that. I was like, I don't care if it's a, I don't care if that's uh, by description, a man's job, I'm going to go do it. Like, I want to get paid. (laughs) And so, um, and then, you know, it was just a a matter of things. So I, and then my friend's dad that was like, you got to do a ride along. I'm going to help you do a ride along. So I did one and I was literally like, this is the career. This is it. Like it was just one of those defining moments where I was like, I love this. So that's how I got into firefighting kind of. So, so at 19, I decided to come home. My parents were like, heartbroken that they, I was leaving college, but I was like, <laughs> I have a plan. I'm going to come home, get this, these two associate degrees and then finish my bachelor's and go to medic school. Cause that's, that was my plan. Okay. And, um, the day before I was supposed to leave to, um, uh, interview for medic school, I had, um, I had gotten a rejection letter from another, cause I had been testing for fire departments. I got my associate of fire science and then I got my general just like associate degree. Okay. Just preparing to go back for my bachelor's, right? And um, I had gotten a, I'd taken a firefighter test and I got a 99% on it. Okay. And I got zero job offers from that. And I was like- (laughs) This is like all signs are pointing to. And the next day I had this medic interview to go to school and I was really bogged down and really bummed out about this news. And I remember my mom just being like, this could be your sign. You need to go to medic school. So just get up, drive to Ellensburg and do the thing you said you were going to do. And I only share that story because it was a moment that I really wanted to just like, like quit for a minute and because it felt so just defeating, like I was doing everything right, but it wasn't working out. But you gotta keep going. Like you cannot quit. Like yeah. if you have a plan and this is like your passion and like this is where your your you know, your mind's eye is at, like you're already there in your mind. You just have to get the things in place. Yep. Don't quit. Mm-hmm. You have to keep going. So, um, yeah, that's how I ended up in medic school. I got in my um my second interview for school and took off from there.
1: Okay. So then you, so you came back and then you bounced back and you went back to central.
0: Yeah. I went back to central, um, with, I had two associate degrees and I finished up my bachelor's degree. And on my birthday, when I turned 22, I took a test for Walla Walla fire department and they offered me a job a month later. Okay. And I was so flattered. That was like, My first real job, I had to move (laughs) to Walla Walla, Washington, but they were literally the nicest people and they made such a huge impact on me because they were just so kind. I did work a lot. I was on this thing called D-Shift and they, I worked over 200 hours of overtime a month when I was there at 22. I like didn't sleep. It was like 44, like 440 hours a month. (laughs) I don't even know if that's possible, but it's true, wow, yeah, it was crazy so okay yeah, so then um you
1: you mentioned that um <clears throat> uh you were athletic going in um growing up and everything, did you do sports and stuff is that oh yeah, where it came out
0: yeah, so okay. um, so I'm the youngest of four, okay, my dad was like a hardcore uh <laughs> he was a hardcore athlete, but he was also um you just have to know my dad. He looks like Anthony Hopkins, yeah. and <laughs> but he's like anybody who was coached by him usually has nothing but wonderful. He was intense. Yeah. So, uh, I come from a, like a long line of really competitive, (laughs) like it's in our, it's in our genes. Um, so yeah, I was the youngest, um, two older brothers and an older sister, the four of us in, uh, five and a half years. Okay. So like, yeah, we were like a litter and, uh, if you didn't keep up, you were just basically pummeled. So yeah, no, I played, um, I was in select sports from the time I could like dribble a basketball and kick a soccer ball and running and. To this day, I still love sports. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah.
1: So then, what was it like then, as you were getting into the firefighting and everything, um, uh, what was it like when you finally got started day one at um, Walla Walla?
0: It was just really intense. You know, um, this was in 2004. Okay. So this was 18 years ago. And there just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of women. And I knew that, right? Mm-hmm. I knew that. I had been... Volunteering in Sylvanna. I worked in Arlington as a part-time employee. I was in North County. I um, worked up in the Bryant area and um, Freeborn and Warm Beach. I worked everywhere. Like okay. anybody that knew me in this time frame, they were like, "Yeah, she like had no life. She was either at college, like going to school during the day, or working all night in the weekends at these fire stations." Like I just wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to learn. Yeah, I wanted to soak it up. I wanted every every life experience. And so, um, so when I got to Walla Walla, I didn't know anybody. It was totally just like culture shock. Um, not going to lie, like very different than the West side of the state. Mm -hmm. So I, there was a lot of listening. Yeah. I just listened a lot and I worked a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, just because there's just, people are just, you know, different cultures are just, so you're, when you get put into a new system, and you're, like, the new person, and you're the the foreigner. You're just kind of like, whoa, I just listened, and I just worked. And I just tried to keep my head down and my mouth shut and <laughs> give me every life experience I could get. It was, but Walla Walla is beautiful. It is, the people are so nice. Mm-hmm. They're so friendly. They were, when I ended up leaving in um, 2005, okay. I was, I had tested with Mount Vernon prior to, to Walla Walla. And okay. They, and they offered me a job, uh, like in, like, I think it was like eight months into my probation. Okay. And I was like pretty homesick at this point and worked to death. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't see this ending anytime soon. Like they just had this weird, it was an interim thing. It was D shift was just this like band-aid. It was yep. a band aid <clears throat> for all the ships. <clears throat> yep. And, um, and so I took the job in, Mount, in Mount Vernon. Okay. And so I, I, Went to Mount Vernon and I was, uh, it was myself and this guy, Kevin, and Kevin and I were the first medics for Mount Vernon. Okay. Because they were trying to take over their system and it was, I mean, I don't know why I'd watch what I'm saying. They, it was a political nightmare. It was such a nightmare at 23 years old. I was like, I just want to help people. I don't, I don't want to deal with the politics of Mm -hmm. the mayor and the board and you know, like, I am too young for this. Like, yeah. I don't care about what your politics want. What we need is to r- provide a wonderful service to these people. Mm-hmm. And so whatever capacity that means, the quickest 911 response, the best level of training possible, and to give these people an expedited ride to the hospital. Right. That's what they care about, not the politics of who, who's going in what rig. Right. And so... I wasn't very happy there, to be honest with you. Like, I liked the people there. They were nice. But I was like, uh, I just knew that it wasn't, um, like, fulfilling me. That I just was like, i would got to get out of here. So it's kind of funny. But at that time, so like a year and a half into that, so probation, I don't know if you know that much about probations. Mm -hmm. But they're kind of brutal. Okay. They're, um, you basically, you show up really early, you do all the morning duties, you keep your head down, your mouth shut, your chin up and you take it on the chin. Like you just, everything that's wrong, it's your fault, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did that, you know, as a part-timer and then I did it in Walla Walla, I did it in Mount Vernon and then I got approached to go to Marysville. And so kind of, I would say I was recruited. I was recruited um, because I had all these certifications I was young, I was ambitious, I was like, I just want to work. And actually, Dave Kraske, who's the chief now for North County, okay. was um, had been one of my officers at Arlington and knew I was in Mount Vernon. We still maintain friendship, and so he told the chief of Marysville, he's like, you should contact this girl. She's up in Mount Vernon. She's got every certification you want, and I she's ready to go. Okay. She's, she's driving a ladder truck. Like, you should hire her. And so I went in. And was like basically they did the backgrounds and everything. They had psychological tests and stuff like that. And yep. I was like off to the off to the races. Okay. Yeah. So nice. It's been a long haul. I <laughs> I can't believe I've been doing it twenty years. But yeah, wow. it's been a long time. Yeah. So, a lot of seats. I did uh, the medic thing from 2003 until 2017. Okay. I got promoted to captain. Okay. And then I was on an engine for uh, three years, and then I, t- I just recently, in the last two years, <clears throat> tested for this position. It's called a MSO. It's a medical services officer. Okay. So it's it's similar, but I'm in charge of the medical division for my shift. So instead of being in charge, I always say, instead of being in charge of, like, seven or eight people, I'm in charge of, like, 32. Okay. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. I do the medicals. No, it does. I just watch over. I just, I like, bas- I'm like their little guard dog. I make sure they're doing good. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. So.
1: Very cool. So um, <clears throat> you moved to Marysville. Did you have to start probation and everything all over yes. again? Yes.
0: Another probation. <laughs> I'm like professional, well, not anymore. Now I'm like, you're good. I made the coffee. You can just do your normal thing. You don't have to work as hard. I, I try to be nice because I feel bad for yeah. some of them. But they they do a good job. Yeah, so, yeah. it was like insane. It was like five years of being, in or more, of being like, everything that's wrong, it's your fault, Kate. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, I know.
1: Wow. So um, you said you went to Marysville. Is that where you kind of ended up and you've just stayed yeah. with them? Okay.
0: Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So I've been there since 2006.
1: Okay.
0: It was a lot of movement, but yes. I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm not leaving. I'm going to retire from this place. So yeah but it's good. We've had a lot of changes. Um, I got to be the first woman there to have a baby. So they were like, we don't even know what to do with you. And I was (laughs) like, I don't either. So we'll figure it out. So my best friend, Krista and I had our girls at the same time in 2008. Wow. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So you were doing this as your, your primary career during this whole time then. Yeah. Um, How did that kind of lead to Happy Hollow Farms?
0: So in 2017, um, I was walking with my parents and I noticed my dad was like, his color was weird. Like he just looked like dusty Mm. and um, he was super slow to walk. And he kept saying, it's my Achilles tendon and this darn knee of mine. And I was like, no, this is like your heart. Like you don't look Mm. good. And so he had been through the ringer. Like he was a developer. And during 2008, during that huge recession, that hugely affected my family. Yeah. And, uh, my whole, my whole family's in construction and development. And, uh, so I, and my sister, who's a nurse, um, she and I, her name's Allie. Allie and I were like, we really want to go in with you. And I want to, advocate. Cause my parents aren't, my mom was a teacher. My grandma was a nurse, but like they didn't, you have to, for any listeners out there, if you have a gut feeling about somebody's health, like somebody looks pale when they're walking or they seem short of breath or they are, com- maybe they're not even complaining. Like some older people, they don't complain about pain, yeah. but they look weird. Yeah. You need to, if you are in the medical field or you know, someone who is Go with that person and you need to advocate for them. Yeah. So I went with my dad and we were sitting and I won't say what clinic we were at, but I was like, I don't, this cardiologist is not listening to you. Yeah. And so I phoned my friend that's a doctor and I was like, I, I need to see Budge Smith. Yeah. Schmidt, Schmidt, Smith. Anyways, um, this cardiologist that I have delivered so many STEMIs, which is a heart attack, you know um patients too that i just loved him he was so direct he was not nice but i was like i don't want a nice cardiologist i want somebody who's good yeah and so we ended up um <clears throat> i called his office and i explained the situation i explained that my grandma was um good friends with him and mm-hmm. that i was like pleading would he please consider taking my dad as a patient yeah. and they did even though he was like not accepting new patients but yeah. he I think he really loved my grandma. Long story short, my dad ended up having like almost a widow maker. He was 99% included to his proximal LAD, which is like the widow maker. Like if you occlude that, you're not, we're probably not going to be able to get you back. Wow. Okay. And so we got him in and, um, uh, the cardiologist was like, if he had waited, you know, another month, he wouldn't be here today. There's no way we would have been able to fix this. The good news is he had tons of collaterals because he had been occluding and like narrowing that artery for so long. So he got stented. And when he was in the hospital, I stayed with him. My dad and I are really close. Yeah. And, um, I stayed with him the whole time and we just had some really good conversations. He was on meds and stuff, but like It was just like, we just bonded and I just was so grateful for that time with him. Um, But anyways, he went on to about a month later, he asked me, you know, I I think you're the only one that would actually want the farm. You love growing these dahlias at your lake house. Mm -hmm. He's like, why, why wouldn't you want the farm? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't want to sell my lake house though. I loved, we lived on this, we had this little tiny cabin. On a lake, and I just like loved it there. Yeah. And so um, I just told him, I think you need to downsize. You yeah. do. You need to like go walk your dogs every day and like not have this massive farm. massive <laughs> property that like is literally kind of killing you. So that's how we ended up with the farm. Was my dad almost died? <laughs> oh. Yeah, but it, he's doing great now. Like he walks every day, and he's still like, Henry. O- he's it. like he's <laughs> a Henry, <laughs> cute little guy that looks like Anthony Hopkins. So very cool. Yeah. So that's how we ended up at the farm. And, um, you know, the dahlias were kind of birthed from my grandma. Okay. She was a, she was a nurse for 40 years and I used to, I just loved her. She was like totally straight into the point and like the sweetest, but stern lady. And I loved her style. Yeah. Like there was no, um, BSing with her. She like didn't mince words. She was just... But I love that. I like people that are like that. Like, yep. I, there's no guesswork and there's no manipulation. Yep. You just get what you get. And she was always kind. <laughs> and so um, she and I always bonded over that. And uh, she gave me... Well, I ended up getting dahlias when she passed away. Okay. And that was back in, like, 2015, I think. Okay. So I'd been growing dahlias. And then it just kind of, like, I don't know, developed into this thing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I I just learned about dahlias um, when I interviewed Deanna about how they continue to like reproduce and everything. Oh, totally. And I I didn't know anything about that. I'm not a florist or any sort of farming knowledge.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, the thing about gardening is this, that a lot of people don't know. A lot of times people turn to gardening. So, when I would come home from shift, I'd be up all night dealing with the darkest shadows of society, Mm -hmm. you know, in like downtown Marysville, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that the public doesn't need to know about, but I would come home and as a way to decompress, I would go into my garden. And even in like the winter time, I would like go out there and like, you know, like rake around some dirt and make sure that like my plants, my perennials were looking good. Mm-hmm. It was just a way to decompress. Yeah. And then in the summer months I got totally hooked on these dahlias based on my grandma passing away. Yeah. She'd always given them to me. But then when she died, I was like, I have to take care of these. I have to learn how to care for them. But you're right. The So gardening for people who are like, if you are doing a job that is high stress, mm-hmm. you find yourself coming home And for whatever reason, everything is annoying to you. Like the dishes are annoying or whatever, the (laughs) toys all over your house from little kids or whatever it is. I always tell like our new firefighters, I'm like, try to find something. It doesn't have to be gardening, even though I will give anyone I work with probably free tubers just to try it as like a stress relief thing. Try doing that. For 30 minutes, just give it 30 minutes to kind of let your mind and relax because yeah. there is so much decompression that needs to be had at the end of the day. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're working a four hour shift or 24 or a 48. Like you need to decompress so you can come in and be the best version of yourself for your family. Yeah. And for me, that's totally what gardening was. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think also as much as you can be an extrovert and be on at work, yeah, you need to reset that. <clears throat> and a lot of times people reset that by running, which I love running. Yeah, um, I totally recenter my, like, all that energy, either running, gardening, and it's stuff you do kind of by yourself. Yeah. So I think it's healthy for people to know, like, sometimes you got to be by yourself to, like, get your energy, right? To, yeah. like, give you, the best of you to your family. Yeah. So... You should try gardening. Yeah. It's great.
1: <laughs> my wife was trying to convince me of that for many years, and I'm, I told her when we were dating, I was like, uh, I'm never going to help you in the garden. <laughs> I, it's not for everybody. No. Well, so growing up, it was a uh, – uh, my dad, um, he built out this complex, and it actually completed construction in 2007, 2008, so right oh. as the crash. Oh. Um, so poured tons of money into it, so much into it, and then that happens. So the buildings got sold off, got moved on, and um, – Uh, you know, and so, um, but he he came from the business world and in the business world, like things just move so slowly. Like you're, you're, you you do so much work and then you're waiting for something to happen. And so we lived in Arizona and when he moved up here in Arizona, you can't really landscape that much. Like it's, it's, It's they're
0: beautiful cactuses, but yeah, you need water.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You need water. I mean, you can do rocks and stuff, but my dad never cared about rocks. Like they look like, so when he moved up here, He's like, this is great. You get grass, you get trees, you get flowers, you get everything. And it's all, and he always loved the fact that he could put in a, uh, well, for him, it was, he usually did like a, you know, 12 hour day, but like you could put in a good chunk of time in landscaping. And from the date, from the time you started to when you finished, you could then look back and see, wow, I did all of that. It's amazing. Yeah. So he loved that fact. And so he got really into it when we got into houses he would just completely redo the landscaping. Yeah. And every summer was landscape time. So growing up. Um,
0: you have I had trauma. To, I, had, I would have to go out there and do that. And
1: so um, I was like, when I get older, I'm never doing this on my own.
0: Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's like it could either be traumatic or maybe at some point it'll be like your decompression yeah
1: well and that's for my wife like she's she'll talk about different things of like you know I want to turn this into a flower bed and I want to turn this into like a vegetable garden and for me I hear that's just more work like you already we already have four kids we've got homeschooling we've got so many things going Mm -hmm. on and it's not about the fact that it's more work but it's an escape place but to me i just hear oh that's more work i don't want to do that
0: (laughs) no totally well you're not at that time in your life like there are things that jump out at you that you're like i really want to do this but yeah if it doesn't feel right no why would you (laughs) you know yeah
1: i did try and get into running at one point and that was um like i i never enjoyed running like i like sports like soccer is my main one um, but I never enjoyed just running. because like, there's no point. Like, you're just running.
0: You can but, listen to podcasts, though.
1: But I, I started doing it. There was a challenge at work where they were the, our lead challenged the whole design group to who could run the most miles in a month. Mm. So we all tracked it on, like, uh, Track My Run or whatever. It's called the app. And so we, all, we were all participating. He smoked us by I was going to say, lot. did you win? You not look like a runner, a
0: though. That's funny. I,
1: I can run. Um, the first time I decided I was going to try and run, I ran with a, a coworker and he had been running and so he knew technique he knew a lot of different things and so he's like well why don't we just go on a run right after work I mean we're right on the the trail we'll just do that so I said sure we'll do that so we went and ran the trail well me not being very smart about running I was like well I play soccer I run a lot so I should be fine I just ran with him and we did I think five or five between five and seven miles like we just went down and back Mm -hmm. and we got done and I was like uh, something's not right. <laughs> you right. I had pulled my IT band.
0: Oh no. And like,
1: I was like, but I run, like I run in soccer all the time, but totally like it's different a different, muscle. it's a different thing.
0: Yeah. It's totally. Uh, a so different then I was thing. out
1: for, you know, a while. And, um, so I learned a lot more about running, but after I recovered from that, I did do a little bit of running. Yeah. And it was really like the whole runner's high. Like when you're done, you're it's like, real. you're energized. You're like, wow, yeah. I can go <laughs>
0: like, yeah. So. You know, actually that's funny. So, uh, just to share a little bit about this. Yeah. I ran, I've been a runner since I was probably like, uh, 14. Okay. I just got really into it when I was, uh, training for soccer. Like I was, I was like hell bent on making varsity as a sophomore because <laughs> I couldn't make it as a freshman. Cause I had just moved to this new school. It was like a WIA rule. Yeah. And not that I think I would have, I wouldn't have made it. I was a freshman, <laughs> but <laughs> sophomore, I was like, I'm making varsity. And so I, um, was running all the time. To make a really long story short, my knees have bothered me forever. and My right knee specifically, like, I'd had water on the knee a few times as, like, a small kid. Okay. And I finally, I think it was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the fall of 2020. I was, um, I'd, I'd been having issues with my right knee. Long story short, I finally was like, I can barely walk. Like, I don't know what's going on with my knee. I'd been... Not running a ton because the farm is just, like, all-consuming during the summertime. And so I have to make it a high priority to get, like, my workouts in. It's, like, my 2022 goal um, to make that a priority. But anyways, um, I ended up having, like, reconstructive knee surgery. My kneecap was always in the wrong spot. Oh. And so it, like, eroded my femur. Oh. Yeah. So it's never good when you go into, like, you know, Everett Bone & Joint and they're, like you're 38. You have like an 85 year old knee. Oh, like no. it's amazing. You're walking. And I was like, don't tell me that. Like my whole job and like everything I've built as far as like the farm is all based on movement. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there's nothing like being told that when you're 38, your are uh, n- your knees shot. And so I, um, yeah, I had reconstructive knee surgery, uh, last fall, October wow. of 2021. Okay. No, 2020. Sorry. It's been a little over a year. It's been almost 18 months and I'm feeling a lot better, but I have this super moody knee and I don't have a knee replacement. I just have a, like they removed my patella. It was called a, um, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm going to forget the name of it, but they basically relocated my patella and then like, took the bone and did kind of like a graph. So I've got some screws and they clipped my quad and they basically realigned it. So it's working properly now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's been hard. Wow. When that's like your release, when your release is running and your release is gardening, and then all of a sudden the thing that you've used as like your therapy all of a sudden breaks. That's, that's tough too. Yeah. So, I would just say that it took, it took a long time. It's taken me a long time to like come out the other side of that and go, you know, I don't need to be running the 26.2 miles or the 13.1. Yeah. I don't need all, I don't need to run that much. Like I could run three or four and be happy. So why am I running that much? I don't know. I just loved it. Yeah. I truly just liked it. It was fun. But, um, anyway, so even good things can kind of be bad for you. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think, um, like, that that's also really, obviously, a really hard time because we're, you know, kind of coming out of it. But, you know, being in 2020, um, that's a difficult time to not have, like, of all the times to not have your ability to, re- you know, decompress and all that stuff. Yeah. Because anyone that was in the medical field yeah. just got hammered by 2020 and 2021. Yeah. And so, yeah. What, what did you kind of turn to? What, what was kind of your way to decompress after that?
0: Um, I just, uh, I tried to focus on my kids and, you know, like everybody focuses on their, their family, you know, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of tried to reorganize my thought process on things. Like, instead of, like, don't get me wrong, there were months that I was really angry, like, about, and not mad at anyone. Right. I was angry that I couldn't do the thing that was always my saving grace. Yeah. The run for five or six miles fixed everything for me. If I was frustrated with, you know, a relationship or, you know, my husband (laughs) or whatever, I could go for a run and literally come back and I would be like, okay, I'm a totally different person. I'm relaxed. I have this runner's high. Like, what's good? Let's talk about this problem we have and sort it out. But I think um, when you have to reframe it, like, okay, this thing doesn't serve me as much, so I need to find a different way. Like, I know that that sounds silly, but I would, you know, get into, like, meditation apps. Yeah. Like, Calm is a great app. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started just realizing, like, uh, going for a walk is pretty good. Like, it's not a run, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, And listening to a podcast, like trying to put more of a priority on sleep yeah. because instead of I don't sleep very much <laughs> like I don't I got I we had a fire alarm at 12:30 this morning you know zero zero twenty three 23 hours <laughs> I mean it was and I couldn't get back to bed until 4 and then I was my alarm went off at 5 to do reports so I you know I just don't sleep very much but um so putting a priority on sleep trying meditation cutting yourself some slack. Like COVID has been brutal for people. And I think just now, I think more people are starting to kind of burn out. It's like everybody can, it's like, I've done marathons where it's literally those last mile and a half is where people fall apart. Because it's like, you can, you can see that finish line. Like, you know, the 12th of March is right there and people are just dying to take the mask off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think just be kind to yourself, be nice to other people. Yeah. Be don't, we don't have to take sides. Nobody has to be on the right or the left, like yeah. stay moderate and just be patient with people, yeah. you know, and do the things that'll allow you to be patient. Like for me, it's, I got to get a bike ride in or go for a short run, um, get enough sleep, drink a ton of water, all those yeah. things that we all know, but a lot of times we don't do, Yeah. but just being kind. And I, you know, but I'm like everybody else, like it's harder yeah. sometimes than others. Yes.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I've listened to a lot of um, uh, well, I've listened to um, there's a uh, his name is Dr. John Deloney, but he does a show and talks, uh, you know, people call in and he talks them through different things. He's done tons of counseling and stuff prior to this. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest thing that over and over comes out is like, it's OK. Like, it's OK. Two things can be two things. And that totally things can be like. You know that this is the right decision, but you can also be really angry that this is the right decision.
0: Exactly. Or
1: you can be okay to be angry with what you're, the situation you're in right now. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's okay to be that it's okay to feel like it's not negative or bad to feel.
0: Yeah. All... We just have to be like kind to ourselves and yeah. be understanding with that. And also like <clears throat> having those conversations with people Yeah. and being like patient with other people. Yeah. Like just, it's okay that maybe people aren't right where you're at right now, which is in the moderate and taking things for what it is. Yeah. You know, and that we're going to get through this. We're not in, well, it's pretty scary times right now in Europe, but we're not in world war two. Yeah. Like we're getting through it. Yeah. And it has been really sad for people. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, no. I totally think that that's, yeah, we're, I think we're both right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just being patient. Yeah. So,
1: so, when did you decide to turn <clears throat> um like just your little hobby that you were doing then into Happy Hollow Farms?
0: So um in twenty nineteen. So twenty seventeen we bought the farm. In twenty nineteen I started um putting I I had divided and I had been purchasing dahlias from friends, um, all kind all just everywhere. Kind of like you do when you start this hobby, you start going to the garden shows. And you start looking online, and then you find a friend that's got them, and you trade with a friend. There was a a woman, Margie, down the street. She's this (laughs) woman that's awesome. She's got the best dahlia field. They love her, but I used to buy dahlia tubers from her, like forty bucks. I'd throw in there, snag a couple, Mm -hmm. you know, as like a little. I'd always, I don't know if she'll ever listen to this, but I'd give her a little tip because I always appreciated it. It was so cool that she did that. She had a little flower stand, and um, and then. So I was just growing more and more, and I had like 200 at this point. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing with this many flowers because I kept dividing them. Yeah. Um, and then I ran into my friend Brenna, who owns Three Brothers Blooms. Yeah. We were walking both into QFC at the same time in Stanwood, and she was telling me about how she started a flower farm. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I just bought this book that changed my life. And it's from Erin Benzikin. It's Cut Flower Garden. Okay. I've read it two or three times. I was telling her the story, and she's like, oh, I work there. And I was like, what? And so anyways, Brenna and I go way back as friends. But then I was telling her about this book I read, and she's like, yeah, I've read the book too. So so Brenna and I just start talking all the time because I just found this new love of flower farming. Brenna did too. And within a month of us, like, chit-chatting about flowers and stuff, I was asked by a friend to do the – Skagit uh, Flower and Garden Show. Okay. Because their Dahlia person had like bailed. And um, so this is 2019. Yeah. And so I asked Brenna, I was like, hey, let's put our our tubers together. Let's go do that thing. I know we're not like, like, I didn't even have a license at this point. But I was like, I have these tubers. They're really pretty. (laughs) Some people would want them. Like, we could just do this thing, you know? And then COVID hit. Oh, no. And so um, we ended up not going because everything got canceled. Yeah. But Brenna and I were, like, sold on this idea. And so then we started working together and, like, realizing, like, hey, people love dahlias. We should, like, combine not our farms but, like, combine our energy so that we can provide these beautiful flowers to people that want them. Yeah. And so um, it's just funny, like, how, I don't know, it just all came kind of together at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, right around 2019 is when I decided to – take the farm and make it a legit, like a licensed little business. But then COVID, you know, changed everything. And and our like MO has always been, well, first of all, I convinced my husband to quit his job and work solely at the farm, which I don't know if I recommend that. (laughs) It was just like, I knew what I could envision in my mind. And I was like, I need you to be here to do that. And he was like, okay, for a short period of time, I will help you with this dream. And I was like, okay, perfect. So he's just been helping me. He's a, my husband's like this insane contractor that if I sketch for him something and I'm like, this is what I want. It's like, I'll go to work for 24 hours, come back and it's done. (laughs) So he's, he's priceless, but yeah. yeah. Um, That's great. So then anyways, it was just like, I think COVID brought a bunch of these flower farmers together. And we just had to be really creative. Like, how do we, and it was like, we do it outside, you know, like we take the thing that is already outside and we start, we start, we do a sale outside. Yeah. And then, you know, the more COVID like went on, it was like, there's nothing happening. Restaurants were shut down. Like we couldn't do anything, Yeah. which is what brought like happy hours. Yeah. So we do happy hours. Okay. And we do them. June, July, August, and then through the end of September, because usually the weather's so good. Yeah. And the idea was, it was honestly just to give people a place of joy. Yeah. Like bring them to our farm. We're outside. If you're sitting, you know, six feet or eight feet away from people, have some food and relax and enjoy the fresh air. And, you know, there's literally like 5,000 dahlias in the back field. And like, I don't even know how many, you know, sweet pea trellises we have at this point and peonies and rose bushes. And, you know, there's there's some tire swings in our back orchard that are hanging on that my kids hung on, you know, just years prior. Yeah. So it's just a safe place. It's all fenced in. So people bring like their dogs and their kids. And as soon as the dahlias are blooming, which there's a sea of flowers, it's like I tell people, you know, it's 20 bucks. Um, here's a vase that people recycle, which is really cool. Yeah. And I'm like, shove as many flowers you can get in that vase. Like <laughs> make whatever you want. Yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah. it's like basically just a place of joy. Yeah. But yeah, happy hours. I didn't even know if it, anybody would come. Yeah. And it was crazy successful. Yeah. And so we, um, we always just had somebody that had their license through the Department of Health come and cook food. This year we're doing food trucks. Nice. So every week we have somebody new. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, the cool thing about it is it's it's like a novelty thing. Like it's not all year long. It literally is just a summer thing. Yeah. You know, maybe someday I have a dream. There's a building I really want to buy, but I don't know if the person wants to sell it to (laughs) me. But maybe someday I can move it to an indoor space. But yeah. right now it's... Our barn's only like 1,500 square feet. Okay. So it's really like an indoor-outdoor space. Yeah. So it has to be a summer thing. Yeah. And um, we just we just welcome people. We just ask people to be nice. Yeah. And that's never a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like we literally have the nicest people that come visit us. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Nice. So then um, you started doing that then. Um, did you start doing... Um, Do you also do other venues and and events and stuff there?
0: Yes, we do a ton of stuff. I know it sounds like I'm crazy, but (laughs) it's just literally because COVID's made things so difficult for people. So um, when, you know, we never went against like CDC regulations or guidelines or state mandates, nothing like that. Like if you're in the barn, you had to wear a mask. It was just what it was. When you're outside in a flower field, I wasn't going to mandatory that. Like yeah. you're in a field yeah. and the bees and hummingbirds are flying by you. You need to enjoy that energy. Like, yeah. um, but yeah, so we had a couple friends last summer, um, that were like, you know, one of them, their venue canceled on them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, it's crazy because it wasn't, they weren't canceled. Like the, the wedding venues weren't canceled for last year. Yeah. Uh, in twenty twenty one, so I was like, "Yeah, you can get married here. That's totally fine. We have these beautiful flowers. we'll We'll help out in you know, any way we can. um and then, once kind of word got out that we were like, yeah, we can do that. Like, w- sure. We'll, we'll help with that. Yeah. Um, we had a couple more people and then we were like, we kind of have to put a number on that Yeah. because it's going to be one of those, it's like word of mouth, you know, small town, as you know, yep. Stanwood Camino is all about like, if you have a service Yeah. and people can like feel that service that you're providing and that energy, like you're, you really want the best for them. Yeah. They tell their friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's how this whole thing works. And yep. so, um, We did put a number on it and we made it more official and, and ended up like getting our act together this last fall. Nice. But yeah, so we've booked, uh, quite a few weddings for this next. So it's just Saturdays. Yeah. So one, one wedding a week. Yeah. And keep it
1: a little manageable.
0: Totally manageable. Fridays are like a non-negotiable. Like that's like our happy hour day. So we love that. Cause you know, like we have the cannons baseball team when they come, it's like my kids it's better than vacation because all of their friends and their parents come, we get to hang out with their, you know, the families. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, those are the memories that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. The sleepless yeah. worry sometimes that entrepreneurs have, I'm like, it's worth it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've actually booked some weddings, but I'm not, I'm not like a full time. I like call us a boutique. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I just want it to be like once a week really hit it out of the park for these these people, these couples, their families and then clean it up for, you know Sunday. Yeah. Relax on a Monday if I'm not at the station and then let my family have a break and then maybe do you you cuts during the week.
1: Yeah. So then um because like fireman schedules can be all over the place, is yours more regular or are you working some of the weekends <laughs> that things are no, happening?
0: No, my schedule's insane. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) No, I work a lot. Um, I would love it if I didn't have these like extra days that we have to do sometimes. But um I work it out. I have this partner that is um he's kind of opposite of me. His name's Noah. He and I are like solid on trades. Mm -hmm. So he's a football coach for Lake Stevens. He knows I've got this flower gig going on. He's got kids about the same age as mine. So we just literally are like constantly helping each other out. So we do tons of trades. um, So that is really helpful. I usually work like nine, 10 shifts a month. Okay. So, and those are 24s. Wow. Yeah. So it gives, I know people are like, well, it's 20 days, but I'm like, but Marysville's really busy. (laughs) So no, it's, it's all good. It energizes me though. Like I get excited. Like when we're moving into spring right now, like I got off work this morning and I was so pumped to come home and see my kids. Yeah. Hugs and kisses off to school. They're in middle school, so they push me away, and I try to hug them still. Um, and then I'm, like, in the greenhouse. I go for a run, short run.
1: Yep. Come back,
0: <laughs> get cleaned up, go in the greenhouse, and I'm literally just plugging away. Nice. I listen to podcasts, your podcasts.
1: Oh, cool. And
0: uh, I just, yeah, I just, like, plug away and, and work on stuff and try to have good, good energy in that space, and I just hope all my seeds germinate. Yeah. So, it's good. Very cool. Yeah. So we do but well, we do a lot of stuff. We have a big um tuber sale coming up that I hope people come if you are curious at all, just show up. It's March 12th. Okay. It's at our farm. You can find us on Instagram or um on our website, which is happyholofarm.org. Okay. And um we have an awesome uh It's called Dreamy Drinks. She's from Seattle. She's coming up, and she's going to have awesome drinks for people. Oh, nice. They're, like, bubble tea, but they're, like, they're so cute. I can't even describe it. We're going to have a coffee bar. Um, If you're, like, I want a mimosa, it's Saturday. Like, our bar will be open. You can do that, too. Nice. Um, And there's basically uh, myself, Three Brothers Blooms, uh, Pretty Flower Farm, which she's awesome, Jana, She's great. Um, and then we have some anemones and ranunculus. So we have actually four flower farms that are going to be together. Um, the Dahlia house is selling ranunculuses and anemones. Okay. And then we have a pottery guy selling, um, uh, like mugs and vases, beautiful pottery. Okay. Uh, Josh Ludden. He's amazing. I love his stuff. And, um, then we have jewelry by Anna. Okay. So yeah, Stargaze Studios is going to be there. So it, we kind of try to like bring in a lot of yeah. vendors for one space, kind of hit it out of the park for people so they can like check out all these locals that are, you know, just got really good products. Like yeah. start a garden. It's almost spring. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot going on. <laughs> I
0: know, right?
1: Um, well, very cool. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Sure. So the first one is what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last 3 months.
0: Okay. So this may be something that I don't know if you would try but you should. I bought this, this is so silly but I bought it at I think it Bartels or Walgreens up by Higgins. Okay. It's a 3 pack. I think it's like 35 bucks but it is a vitamin c serum okay a hyaluronic acid and a retinol i'm like really into anything that makes me feel good okay so if it's like a loofah that like hits it out of the park i'm all about that but these are like face face serums that make your skin just like super soft okay it's a night and a morning thing but i'm like this is at the drugstore or like Rite Aid, you know, but they work really nice and they make your skin feel so good. So yeah, that's probably my latest obsession. Very cool. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life?
0: Cool. Um, I, this one's hard because I look, I look up so much to the people in my family, Mm -hmm. but I actually have other people that I think are pretty incredible too. So the obvious, Sheryl Sandberg, who is incredible, right? She's the second in line to Facebook, even though I'm not crazy about Facebook. She is incredible when she speaks of bravery on inclusivity and like women's um, just women being part of the having a seat at the table, I guess. Um I love her for that. Um I love Sarah Blakely. She's one of my favorite people to listen to. Mm-hmm. She's the inventor of Spanx.
1: Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. But
0: she's amazing. Like I feel like she should be on like Forbes's top 3. Cuz she's just so innovative and kind of just quirky and I just love her. Like I think she's incredible. Yeah. Um I really look up to my friend Brenna. Yeah. Um she is a flower farmer. I've talked about her a few times on this podcast, but I look up to her. She's got this, um, balance between motherhood and entrepreneurship and flowers. Like she blends it really, really well. I have a tendency to kind of be a workaholic sometimes and she's just really good at the balance. And I, so I look up to her a ton. Yeah. Um, and then there's one other person that I, I is really coming to mind. Um, her name's Wendy Wade. She's a, she's a commander. Uh, She's getting ready to retire from Marysville Police. And I got the opportunity to, as an MSO, I was, she was briefing everybody because there was a threat made to police and fire. Um, It was right around, I think it was July 4th of last year. Okay. So somebody had made a a threat, you know, whether it was valid or not, but it was like everybody was on high alert and she briefed all of us. And I got to watch her um, just like in her in her, I don't know, she was just incredible in, in leadership and like how she kind of delegated and, and lined us all out and was so kind and empathetic, but also was just so firm. And anyway, she's getting ready to retire. And, um, I just think that women in those high leadership positions, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to get there. And I know it's been 30 years for her, but she's earned it. She's great. So yeah. I know I gave you a lot, but no, those that's are, great. I look to a lot of people yeah. like I'm inspired every day by people. Like if people are just like connecting with the community and they're making a difference and they're, um, building something incredible and, and with the ethos of giving back, I'm like, you're killing it. Like, I love that. So
1: that's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. This is a fill in the blank question. Sure. It's, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank.
0: Um, I don't think this is weird, but the first thing that honestly comes to my brain is I want to go to Iceland and go in those hot tub things. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I have, like, a travel bug really bad right now. Everybody does, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so that's what I would want to do.
1: Very cool. All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next?
0: Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, Jamie Solid from Just James in town. She's got that little boutique that's across the... It's to the east of uh, Jimmy's, and it's to the north of the cookie mill. Okay. Um, I love her. She is like a little firecracker energizer bunny that is positive, and she's got the cutest stuff in there. And I love it because you don't have to go to Mount Vernon or Everett or smoke. Like, she's got cute stuff in there. Go go shop local. Yeah. Like, it's great. I For the tuber sale, I'm going to go pick out some clothes from her shop because nice. I love her and her stuff's cute. Cool. The other person that I think is incredible that makes such a huge contribution to our community is, uh, Tom Schramm. Okay. Um, momentum performance. He is a f- physical therapy, but sports medicine guy. I, he'll probably kill me cause I'm probably not introducing him properly, but <laughs> he does speed and agility, um, clinics for young athletes okay. and also, um, anybody. So if you got, you know, like me, like some knee issues, but you're dying to get back into doing like, you know, deadlifts and squats, but you're worried about your knee, go to him. He's amazing. He's on the internet. He's momentum performance. He's by Sunday Lake. He's got this awesome shop that he works out of. He's open early so you can make it there before work. Um, But yeah, I adore him too. So those, I mean, there's a lot, but those are the first two that kind of pop into my mind. Yeah. All
1: right. All right, and lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self?
0: Oh, that one's so hard. <laughs> um, I would, if I had to, like, talk to my 20-year-old self, I would just, like, probably give myself a hug and be like, dude, you're fine. Like, just know that the hardships are going to make you better. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what we should be telling people is, like, I I have a soft spot for all the, like, rebel... uh like young people that are mm-hmm. kind of like, don't tell me what to do. I'm like, I love those people, <laughs> the spirited ones. Yep. Um, just because I'm like, they're going to have a journey because yeah. they're going to be a pain in the butt. And that's how I was, you know? So I'm like, I have the, I don't know, I, I have a soft spot for people like that. So I would say just, you know, go with the flow. And, it, you know, those lessons, those failures, that's what's going to make you better, but you got to work through it. It's yeah. a circle. You can't just, you can't quit. And you can't bail. So you got to like, you got to go through the circle and come out the other side and look back and go, that was brutal. (laughs) That was was hard work, but I loved it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So.
1: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Kate Songhurst for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to com slash podcast. That's com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.